0: Hi, this is Julie. This This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is
1: Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go.
2: You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, April 28th. It's the Tuesday show. That means it's Leanne and Julie on the line. I'm Leanne Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm joined by my sister, Julie, who is in Dallas, Texas. Julie, you were AWOL last weekend, and you're going to tell us where you were, right?
0: (laughs) Yes, Lee, and I have some exciting news uh, that I'll, I'll tell you about all my, my big weekend adventures. Oh, yes.
2: excellent. Okay, we have a full show today, even though it's Tuesday and we promise to go deep on shallow topics. And some of those shallow topics we're going to be looking at today, Julie, are how to dress thinner. We're going to be ge- deconstructing that. <laughs> all right? I have a question about yogurt I'd like to ask. Mm-hmm. We also
0: have a scallop potato update and a book nook. So... Wow. Now we might, if we have time, leigh get into a clog versus Skechers war. Okay. Okay? Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh. So
2: you can see, we have really been going deep uh, this morning to prepare for this show. If you are new to Satellite Sisters, we'd like to welcome you. There are 15 years of podcasts, don't get scared, over there at SatelliteSisters.com. Lots and lots of shows you can listen to, but we're happy to have you listening to our show now. It's just Julie and I on Tuesdays because our other three sisters, Monica, Sheila, and Liz, have work that does not allow them to take off large amounts of time in the middle of the day. But Julie and I have more fun flexible work schedules. That's why we're here for you, right, Joel? That's correctly. <laughs> okay. All right. So, uh first up. Oh, and then of course we have our Outlander recap. Oh,
0: how could we forget? Because how how
2: could we Leanne. forget the skinny dipping?
0: Uh, Leon, we we're going to talk about it all, but I have to tell you, I am in so deep with this Outlander show that two nights ago I had a dream where I was time traveling. <laughs> I had a <laughs> <laughs> how is that possible but in my dream I was time traveling okay <laughs> Woo! Woo. so yes we're going to talk all about outlander um at the end of the show but I first want to start off by telling you about my big weekend yeah my, this way a wall we were celebrating my husband's birthday it was a big one okay and we you know he didn't want to party he didn't want a trip we just really wanted to get the whole family together that's our two grown sons uh, our lovely, lovely daughter-in-laws and our four grandchildren, and uh, so we did. You know, we've been going back and forth on this, and I decided. You know, we were going to go somewhere. We we only had four days, so it couldn't be too far. We you know we had all kinds of parameters in terms of travel and who could go by car and who couldn't so we picked the city of austin to go to and having had you know and we rented a house in austin oh you know, wow it's one of those sites you know we didn't want to stay in a hotel because we have little ones you right. know and that you know they don't they really don't want room service you know they just you know you really <laughs> we wanted to have a kitchen and i wanted to have a pool because it's hot in uh, in texas at this time of year and i thought that would be a good a good activity and you never really know you know when you rent those houses online, Lee, and what you're going to get. Right. You know, see the pictures, and I, I mean, I was really, I was nervous about it, and I'm happy to say the house exceeded our expectations. Oh, great! It worked out great. Everyone had their own room. We had this lovely pool. We had a nice big kitchen to cook meals in. They had a play area for the kids, and the bonus. They had a chicken coop with oh. live chickens, of course, because it's Austin. Yeah, yeah, sure. They had some chickens, right? <laughs> so, uh, so that was great fun. And the good news is we did not kill the chickens over the weekend. <laughs> that was, is good. We did not let them out of their cage, which I thought was going to happen. At one point, the five-year-old did have his lightsaber in the chicken coop, yes. like, and he was st- yes. trying to stab yes. the chickens. Okay, but they, they, they survived. They were all alive when I left on Monday morning. So uh, so that was great. But, I mean, there there was nothing sweeter than to, you know, to have a nice family birthday party, um, you know, with everybody there together. And it was nice for my sons because they don't get to see each other, you know, that often uh, to have their families spending time together. But I, of course, Leanne, had an ulterior motive, you know. <laughs> oh. Okay. Because, you know, I, I was Urban Nana this winter. I've spent most of the winter in Brooklyn, New York. New York, where my younger son and his wife, and my lovely uh, granddaughter Josephine live, and uh, you know, and I was just thinking, gee, it would be really nice for to have them closer, you know, and just <laughs> why are you laughing at me, Leah? Well, just their whole lives, you've been manipulating yes. <laughs> behind the scenes. You've been yes, but you know, Leon, when you have adult children, right, you really can't tell them anything, no. not one single thing. I mean, the the mantra is. You, you, you know, no matter what the question or what they're asking, you know, the answer is, I know you'll make the right decision. You know, they they don't really want to hear your opinion. But I, so I had a two pronged attack. Okay. And my attack was, I thought if I could lure them to the city of Austin and they could just experience the Austin lifestyle, which is great. Okay. It's a young city. There's a great university there. There's a whole tech community there. There's a, um, there's a big food scene in Austin, obviously a lot of music there, um, you know, it's easy living in Austin. It's the uh, Brooklyn of Texas. It's really yes, it is. <laughs> it There's is a the, lot of hipsters. Yeah. There are a lot of people that you know that look like. So I thought if they could just have some time to sort of take in the uh, to that lifestyle that you know maybe they could get that on their radar screen that that this is where they might like to come without it seems me. Like a obviously good plan.
2: I think that's a pretty good plan, actually.
0: Okay, so that was a, a prong one. My prong two of the plan was I entered the HGTV Dream Home, which they are giving away a home in Austin, Texas. Liam, oh, okay. you see, you see. Yeah. So the contest goes until June fifteenth. So I have to, you know, I have to uh, uh, apply a few more times. You know, fill in that the sweepstakes uh, contest. But I feel like if I can give them the yeah. HGTV Dream Home, smart yeah. home, then, then that then, does that seem. Is- that, that seems pretty good to cinch the since the deal, okay? <laughs> it's kind of a long shot. <laughs> but that's my plan, plan. <laughs> <Leon>. Okay. <laughs> How'd they feel about Austin? Did they, they did like? It. They yeah, did like it? They liked it very much. Uh, again, I did some We, my husband and I, did some babysitting, so uh, so the parents had some time to go out and you know go to the farmers market during the day, walk around on South Congress Street, you know see the action on the river there. You know, there's a lot of people like floating and kayaking and doing stuff on the river in downtown Austin. So yeah, I think they liked it. I don't think they're ready to move there, okay. but once I win the house, Leanne, <laughs>
2: right. that's going to cinch the deal. Really? Well, that's an excellent plan. All right. Good work. Good work. And, uh, and your husband had a happy birthday. He all did. was good. He, excellent. It all is
0: good. All was
2: good. Yes. Excellent. Well, we, I'm going to do a follow-up on my husband's dinner uh, just shortly here with scalloped potatoes. I, I took a straw poll on Sunday's show, Mashed potatoes versus scalloped potatoes. And the scalloped potatoes won and they were a winner. And I'm gonna reveal some secrets of my scalloped potatoes. But yes. before we get to scalloped Le- <laughs> they do. But before we get to scalloped potatoes, let's take a look at Health Magazine's article by Bob Harper, celebrity trainer Bob Harper, on how to really dress thinner. <laughs> because Okay, Leon, this if, is important. If you eat a lot of scalloped potatoes, you're gonna need to wanna <laughs> dress thinner. That's all I'm saying. If you eat my scalloped potatoes potatoes as i met them all right so we know bob harper he's on the biggest loser and he seems to be everywhere you know he's one of those people he's everywhere mm-hmm. so here's what he's saying all right he thinks that clothing could be a motivational tool to get and stay healthy okay so uh, okay what do you think about that he well said, so if
0: you just you know if you just buy clothes that are too small for you i mean i think sometimes you just you know when your clothes don't fit like then you don't even want to leave the house and you just sit home and eat more ice cream. Right. So
2: he addresses that. So his oh, first okay. number one tip is to buy bright colors and to get a certain cut of jean that always flatters you. Because when you put on something that actually fits and looks well and lifts your mood, you feel more confident and you're more likely to take care of yourself. So okay, that so actually you'll... seems to make sense, doesn't it? That's a mood lifter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. and that the outward effect will be that you don't need a chocolate milkshake because you look so good in your, you know, cherry-covered jeans. Okay, Bob.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll... What if you don't look good in bright colors? I mean,
2: Julie, just... Julie, I, I just get the jeans that fit well then. Okay. <laughs> okay, and buy a brightly colored necklace. Okay,
0: Lena. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. All <laughs> okay. Right.
2: All right. Here's another tip from Bob, and this is true. He said, remove leggings from your everyday rotation. They are super comfy, but the problem is you're not going to notice weight creeping up on you because they offer so much give. Oh, Oh, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, let's face it. We have all retreated into our leggings and yoga pants knowing full well it's because we can't button any of our other pants,
0: right? (laughs) That you need to buy pants with structure. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. Okay. Or a zipper. Yes. Okay. You know, okay. a button. So like uh-huh. to hold you accountable. So I have seen that tip in other uh, articles. Like when you come home from work, don't change out of your work clothes. Eat dinner in your uncomfortable work clothes. Oh, no. Be- well, that's
0: wrong. <laughs> I disagree with that. Okay.
2: Yeah. Well, Bob is just saying watch wearing the leggings yes. every day. It does become, you know, a slippery slope. All right. Here's where you shouldn't skip on comfort though. And that is your shoes. And I thought that was very interesting that, you know, if you're wearing comfortable shoes, you're going to take the stairs or you're going to park further away and walk more. You might actually add in some extra steps and some extra fitness during the day. Well, that's
0: that's pretty interesting because, yeah. you know, because I think a lot of times you think, well, if I just put on some high heels, I'm going to look thinner, you know, right. but, but if you can't walk in high heels, you know, so. Yeah. So this is so, how to
2: really dress thinner, but here's the one where I have a little problem. He says, mm-hmm. finally, if you're having trouble making it to the gym, wear your sports bra to work under your shirt. No <laughs> one will know, but you and all day long, you'll have physical reminders of your health goals. Okay, Bob, you wear a sports bra to work all day, all right? Just try it, Bob. (laughs) I dare you. Put on a freaking sports bra and really tight compression sports bra and wear that to work all day. (laughs) I mean, that is like... That's like a cure for like a backache and you start to have like cramps. I mean, uh, my sports bra needs to do the job. And so
1: mm-hmm.
2: if I end up wearing it like a little bit longer than I should, if I get busy and stay in my, my clothes after working out, I get a headache by the end of the day. <laughs> and there is your sports com- bra gives you a headache. There point? is compression happening, Julie. There is compression happening and that does not feel good. So Bob, I am a hundred percent with you. Until we get to the sports bra. No good, Bob. No good. Can't, can't, can't support that. I don't know. Maybe for other women, but not for me. That's all I'm saying. All right. And then Julie, also in Health Magazine. Oh, no, it was in Sunset Magazine, which I love. Uh, There was a whole article on do-it-yourself yogurt making. Now... (laughs)
0: Now, okay, which is supposed to be better for you, Leanne, to make your own yogurt culture and to do that. But And,
2: and don't you remember, really? like in the I mean, 70s? There were
0: 8,000 million yogurt products I in know. the grocery stores. Why would you make your own? Well, I because mean, now got, we're spending. You know, you have like just so many different choices of. <laughs> I know. But now, are you there,
2: Joel? Yes, yes, Okay, I'm here, yeah. Leigh. Okay, Leon. we had a little cut out. You know, there are a lot of yogurt choices, but we're also spending a lot of money on them. When I look at it, I'm like, good God, we're spending like thirty dollars a week on our yogurt products at our at our house between my husband and I. I mean, we're pretty much running the whole and Brooks that we all have our own special yogurt needs. And I'm just wondering What are you doing with the yogurt? Are
1: you bathing in it? No, or what? That's a lot.
2: Eating yogurt every day. Well yogurt it's not cheap. The good Greek yogurt yes. is like a dollar fifty a thing. I okay. guess thirty dollars does seem extreme, but we eat a lot of yogurt. I <laughs> We eat a lot of yogurt. I'm t- so I'm just asking the people, the Satellite Sisterhood, like they had a very complicated situation where you actually had to like cook it and like put the culture in this, you know, super nice like thing <laughs> that like, you know, glass jar and clean. let it, you have to have, yeah, yeah that's to, have to be clean. Glass. Yes. By super nice. I mean, clean, <laughs> clean. So, um, So I just feel like, remember in the seventies when mom had that salt and yogurt
0: maker? Yes, I do, Leah. Yes. Yes. I wonder
2: if those are still around or if there's anyone in the Satellite Sisterhood that is using a yogurt maker that they can recommend to me that won't be like too much trouble that gets the job done. Particularly if it's in the Greek yogurt category, that seems to be just making like draining stuff out of your regular yogurt. But I am just interested in yogurt making situation as opposed to like a rice cooker or a bread maker, things I won't use, or a juicer. I have no interest. Interest in? I think I would actually make yogurt. So that's all. Just asking the satellite sisterhood
0: for some tips, Leon. If you're, you're, I'm back to the thirty dollars a week on the <laughs> yogurt thing. You're going to need a, a vat in your kitchen. You're, those little uh, glass jars are not are certainly not going to. You're going to be making yogurt twenty four hours a day. <laughs> I, guess I guess you're right. I mean, maybe it's a stupid idea. I thought I would just try it. You know, yeah. I thought I would you're, just you're try it. going to need some commercial <laughs> yes, if if you're in the satellite sisterhood, yeah. if you are aware of commercial grade <laughs> yogurt makers. And where are you going to get all the materials? I don't know where are you going to get I got to get some goats. Gotta- Maybe I'll just turn over the backyard
2: to goats. I don't think that's legal in a registered historic district, but I don't know. Let's get some goat milk. Could be,
0: Leon. Could Let's be. Get some, who
2: knows? Okay. I'm just saying, I was interested in it. Uh, your tips would be appreciated. I know okay. someone out there is making their own yogurt. I'm looking at you, people from Oregon. Okay. So let me know. And then on Sunday show, I tossed out mashed versus scallop potatoes. Uh, overwhelmingly, Liz, shill and Monica said scallop potatoes that they're a treat. And then people surprisingly asked me for my recipe. Hmm. I will post, I use basically the one that was in the new basics cookbook, you know, uh, but it's the key to scallop potatoes is you have to make your own like white sauce, right? That's it. Yes. It's just mm-hmm. a basic way. It's the butter and flour. Cook that down. This weekend, I actually used whipping cream. So they were so super duper rich uh, Mm. because I thought it was a special treat. But then you have to cook that down slowly, you know, so it just really thickens up. But don't overboil it or anything. And then the other key is just slicing the potatoes thin you know, a uniform size. So they cook uniformly just Mm -hmm. stack them. I added a little Parmesan cheese between the layers, a little Parmesan cheese, salt, pepper and garlic to the white sauce. And then I just dump it over the potatoes, but you do it to cook them for like Mm -hmm. an hour and a quarter. And then you have to take them out and let them sit. So everything Mm kind of soaks in, right? That's the key. You don't want to serve them hot out of the oven. They should sit for at least a half hour so that, you know, things kind of soak in and they look scallopedy. So I will, I will try to find a link to just a basic scalloped potato recipe, but the key is uniformly cutting the potatoes, which takes, you know, a while and some knife skills, and then really making your own white sauce and just cooking it down and letting the natural flavor, you know, come through. And
0: lots of butter, salt and pepper. Cause my, our, our mom was uh, always made scallop potatoes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's. Yeah, Again, yeah, that was her basic recipe yeah. too. So yeah. it's just, it's basic. It's not anything fancy, but it's just good, high quality ingredients and a little bit of time. And there you go. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: Sounds good, Leanne. Well, you know, the other, um, two other big topics that have been at our Facebook group, and anyone can join the Facebook group, and we would encourage you to do so. Um, uh, you just go to the the Satellite Sisters, and uh, Liz still does all the admissions work for the group, right? Which, as long as you have friends, then you can be in the group, right? right yes. Isn't that our, isn't that our, yes. our sole criteria yeah. for it? Yes. Uh, so, but there was... You know, we were talking about leisure shoe wear and, uh, you know, there was quite a discussion about Skechers, Leanne, which made me think that, um, and I know you have your clog people. And yes. You, you view clogs as a leisure shoe, which yes. is, it really isn't. I don't know what those things are. Um, and do do you think clogs make you thinner, Leanne? <laughs> Julie, I find
2: clogs easy to walk in and easy to stand okay. in. And that's okay. what Bob Harper was saying. They don't necessarily make me look thinner, but they might make me be more active, which ultimately okay, is better for
0: good. me. Well, I think you should get yourself a pair of Skechers from the amount of of, of comments we've had about Skechers shoes and how... How just useful they are and comfortable they are, and you can go anywhere in them, Liam. So no. There was a lot of pro sketcher talk, and those are really cute shoes.
2: Yeah. So I think because you had said you were searching for some, you know, leisure sneakers, and people love the sketchers. So there you go. It surprises me. There's something about the brand Skechers I can't get
0: over, but those were cute shoes. <laughs> they were cute shoes. Yeah. Cute shoes. So I'm very pro pro <laughs> sketchers. Okay. So that was number one. And then um, you know, we're always on. You know, we we invented toast, Elena and I. We
1: we we, we are
0: single handedly responsible for the resurgence, sort of the craziness of this toast craze that's going on right now. You know, uh, just there there's toast everywhere, Lean. Thanks yes. to you and me yeah. because. We heard that it was going, you know, that was a trend. We heard it was going out of favor. And you and I just expressed our love of toast and that we were going to try to bring back toast. And we brought it back in a big way. (laughs) We really have.
2: That and Saving Friday Night Lights, I consider two of our greatest professional accomplishments when we save that television show from going off the air.
0: The Academy, the Peabot. Peabody. the people we're gonna get a peabody for
2: exactly. that one. Someday we will, well, we- Joel. If not this week, because we didn't get one this week, but maybe next year.
0: Um but now the big the big sort of new flavor that people are talking about, and they were talking people were talking about it on our Facebook group, is cucumber. Uh that like cucumber water. And Gatorade has a new flavor that I inadvertently bought because uh, sometimes I do some, some hard exercising here in Texas, and I get very dehydrated. I'm sweating a lot. And I do drink Gatorade from time to time. I like it. I, I feel like it replenishes me. And I somehow, in my rush at uh, CVS, grabbed the wrong bottle of Gatorade and ended up with Cucumber Gatorade. How was it? it is the worst. It is the worst thing I have ever tasted. I mean, I took the first t- t- a sip and I really almost wanted to spit it out right there on the ground in front of people. It, it's, it's just so bad. But other people love it. They, they now think it's their favorite flavor. I don't really like cucumbers in my water. You know, I just say, you know, when you go places yeah. and they, oh, would you like a cucumber water? No, no, I don't. No, just water. I don't want to, like, with those seeds and that, ugh, no.
2: Okay. I, I can't believe you buy Gatorade. I just, I, I have I know, never. I know
0: it's controversial. I know it's controversial. I don't care, okay? Okay. 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 <laughs> and Matt, I just don't want to faint. All right. A
2: little Gatorade is not going to kill me. No. And it's meant for climates like yours. And it's meant to be uh, used occasionally to replenish. It's not meant to be, you know, 12 of them a day. You're not burning that many calories. You're not that dehydrated. So that I understand. But even the picture of that cucumber Gatorade, just that green that is not found in nature. And there are many greens found in nature. So, okay, that's a good... Stay away from the cucumber Gatorade. but I think uh, the point was be on the lookout for cucumber as the next toast cucumber mm-hmm. and everything so that 's good to know the next the next be coconut maybe the next coconut
0: I could go for coconut i don 't know i 't know about cucumber yeah so. well, Lynn, I did want to mention a story. you and I are both parents, um, and so from time to time, we do a little parenting talk and There was an interesting uh, editorial by David Brooks uh, who writes for The New York Times. Uh, a while, a, the last couple a la- while back, about and the name of the editorial was "Love and Merit," and he was writing about that there are now two features that really define child rearing, you know, as, as far as he sees it. One is praise, you know, that, that we have gone out of our way, you know, in this generation to make sure, our, our, you know, that we are pumping up our kids with self-esteem and that we are praising them all the time for what they do. And, you know, we're giving out trophies and we're having ceremonies, you know, the usual. Right. And then the other thing that we, our generation, that was not done in previous generations is that we have really tried to hone our children's talents to an unprecedented degree. And we've all done okay. that, you know, yeah. whether it's in school, you know, real emphasis on academics or it's, you know, in sports, it's, you know, the train, it's the training, it's a discipline, it's the camps or, you know, it's a special, you know, whatever we're doing that we have become more competitive about our kids. We live in a culture of meritocracy. We see that, like, if you don't, like, hound your kids to, like, work hard in school or, you know, to really excel at some extracurricular activity, they are going to be totally out of, you Left know, out of the loop. Left behind. Yes. Yep. Left behind. Yes. yes. So David Brooks is making the comment that what we're doing is we are bathing our children in love, but it's kind of conditional love. That we love, you know, you're saying to your child, I love you, I love you, I love you when you stay up on that balance beam, you know? Oh. Uh, and and children perceive this dif- difference. They they perceive it that because we're giving all this praise but yet at the same time we're sort of honing their skills and we're you know we're making sure they know they have to compete in this world, they have to, they the children perceive this as that love has to be earned and that you know they fear that it is not there if if they don't perform and don't do well. So that's an
2: interesting sort of
0: proposition that presents an
2: interesting dilemma. I can see, I can see where the kids might connect the two things.
0: Right. And that, you know, even though many parents that that are even closer to their children in terms of how much they communicate with them and, you know, uh, and how involved they are, um, you know, it, it, we still are doing this sort of, you know, you know, this conditional love. So in the short run, it may have very positive results that by, by really focusing on, you know, the meritocracy and their achievements, um, it does, you know, in many cases, the kids, you know, the kids achieve, they get into colleges, they, you know, get these jobs and stuff, but they end up feeling like they are, you know, you know, they feel less worthy as adults. Because the love was always conditional. You know, oh, well, it's I'm a exhausted. You know, parental I, love.
2: <laughs> I'm exhausted. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's really so hard. much to think you about just, all the I time. Know. <laughs> you know, especially when you're genuinely praising them for, oh, good job at that. You know, I mean, I, I'm not a big believer... Well, we all, I mean, there are, I think it's nice to say good job at things, or that was great, or I love watching you do this. It's kind of natural if you are. So, but I know that parents have gone over the top and, you know, we seem to, uh, we seem to give them trophies for everything. Although I don't think that really goes on as much as uh, parents, parenting calmness say it does, but um you know, it's, it's hard to hold back when they actually do something good. It's hard to solve that dilemma. If they're actually pretty good at something, what are you supposed to do?
0: I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, and it's not like, you know, and I don't think, you know, just allowing your kids to like lie on the couch and watch me right. is not, is that's not the answer either.
1: <laughs> aim so. low,
0: aim low kids, aim low.
2: Well, I I saw an interesting corollary story. Uh, I think it was in the Times or the Huffington Post last week, and it was about uh, creating passions in our children. And that's such a grown-up notion that we would all, like, have this passion at 15 that we could explore through high school, and that would look great on our college application. And, you know, there are plenty of kids that – plenty of people that don't find their passion until they're 40 years old. Like, why we insist on our teenagers – Developing their passion is one hundred percent because of the college applications and our perceived competition in that area, and so that made me laugh like you 're right passion first of all, you really need to be into something for it to be a passion. You can like things before it 's a passion. I think mm-hmm. passion's kind of an over overused word anyway these days, uh, but yeah, expecting like a sixteen year old to really like have a passion about something. That's crazy. Some do, but most won't. Mm-hmm. And uh but right. but the alternative is letting
0: them sit on the <laughs> letting them sit on the couch. Right. I mean that you're supposed to have I mean, parental love and I think we all know this. Right and this is what we try to do. We want it right. to be unconditional. Right. We we don't want it to be it to be linked to a particular achievement. That you know, that the that, you know, that there shouldn't be, you know, there, uh, you know, any connection between, you know, that you love your child, whether they succeed or not. But yet we live in this society where, you know, you're there, it is a culture of meritocracy. And, you know, you know, here's David Brooks writing in the New York Times, which, you know, is constantly pointing out the merit, you know, it is the epitome of meritocracy, right? right? Isn't it? So, um, but it is, it is something to think about, about, you know, uh, about your parenting style or what you've done in the past or, what, you know, what you can do in the future to improve that. So your children know, you know, uh, no matter what, that you're there for them. So, I mean, cause I don't, I don't know that you, I, I didn't, I don't think I fully realized that children would perceive a difference, right, you right. know, that they would, would perceive it as that, well, love has to be earned when I'm, when I was saying, do your homework. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Do your homework or I'm not gonna love you. No, no, I wasn't really I was just but you still have to do your homework, right? <laughs> right. So well,
1: Liz, you know we love talking about frame bridge, don't we? <laughs> we do. Be- because, <laughs> because there are just so many fun things to frame, Leon, aren't there?
2: Right. Anything you can just upload a digital photo from your phone and they can print it and frame it. And that is a gift right there, a gift people would love getting. Visit FrameBridge.com or see a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything, like a Bruce Springsteen set list. That's FrameBridge.com. Thanks, FrameBridge. Liz and Leanne here, and we are so grateful to have Osea support satellite sisters. Why? Because it's just a great product. Holy cow, do we, we love Osea's skin and body care. And you know what? This Mother's Day... Thanks, Socia. It's funny. I mentioned on the show over the weekend, like just mothers of boys apologizing to mothers of girls. And I, I got a lot of mothers of boys on the Facebook page responding because boys just tend to be, um, you know, lame in certain yes. areas, just no yes. planning and that their unofficial motto is I got this when they got nothing. Like they just <laughs> absolutely nothing. So it is sometimes when you're the mother of a teenage boy, it's hard to think of anything to praise them for, but right. it does just become. (laughs) a constant... So I said to a friend of mine yesterday, cause we both have junior boys, you know, and now it's from here for the next year. It's just a constant stream of nagging. Like yes, you yes. just put your nag button on and it doesn't <laughs> come off. Did you register for the ACT? Did you get your summer job? Like her son had just blown off a summer job interview for the second time. She's like, cause he fell asleep on the couch. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, just back down, back down you know, and it's just a constant series of nagging. So it's hard for me to think of anything. I'd look for anything to praise them for now. Oh my gosh. You put your shoes in the laundry room. Good job. Good job. Good job. job.
1: I know. But who knew?
2: Who who knew that saying, I love you. Good job. Could be so detrimental. Could be so detrimental. Well, where's the happy medium, Julie? I don't know. I don't know where it is. All right, coming up, we have uh, Outlander, so stay with us. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right, Julie and I have a book nook. Uh, but first I want to alert, we have a lot of readers in the Satellite Sisterhood. And this time of year, I try we all try to put together a list of best beach bag books. Uh, we'll be doing that again for the summer months. That list usually comes out in May. So if you've read any books recently that you loved, uh, feel free. I'm going to post it on my author page. If you haven't liked my Facebook page, it's just Leanne Dolan Author. Uh, and it's easier for me to sort of gather book information over there. It's always fun to exchange what we're reading and what we've loved, particularly looking for books that have recently come out. So, uh, books, you know, it's great if there's a book on the bestseller list that you've loved, you know, for two years or something, and that's great, but always looking to bring new books and new titles and new writers to the Satellite Sisterhood. I'm lining up a series of interviews, Julie, already working on that, uh, with some writers. So I'm looking forward to that, but, um, I will put a little link on the, on my author page, Leanne Dolan author, and you can and uh, give me your title, and we'll try to put together a list and put that up on the website. Um, but, Julie, you said you had a big reveal for book now. I
0: did, Leon. I did. Lean, well, I want to tell you what my book is. Um, the book that I think everyone would like, Eva, regardless of, uh, of, you know, where you are or where you're going, is a book written by Mark Adams. And it's not a new book. It's out in paperback, but it's called Turn Right at Machu Picchu, it's oh. rediscovering the lost city one step at a time.
2: Do you know this book, Liam? I have seen it. I think it's a great title, so I have seen this book. Yes,
0: okay, and I think so it the, was a
2: big. It was a big hit. It was a bestseller. Yeah.
0: Yes, it was a New York Times bestseller, and Mark Adams is a New York-based writer who really had you know his you know no business you know hiking around or anything like that, but he wanted to retrace Hiram Bigham's trek to discover. Machu Picchu. And, you know, Bingham was really, he was the, he was uh, the inspiration for Harrison Ford's uh, Indiana Jones character. Okay. He was a real guy. He was a Yale professor and he was uh, initially credited with finding Machu Picchu. And then later on, he was recast as a villain who stole Priceless artifacts from the country of Peru. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh,
2: probably priceless- both of which are true.
0: Actually, is right. So, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so it's sort of both ways, but. It is just a fascinating book. It's fun and fascinating to read. And it has just the right amount of details. So even if you never want to go to Machu Picchu, but you're sort of interested in it, I th- you would totally like this like this book and unrest um, there. so uh, <laughs> because, because you'd be tried as an ISIS spy. Yeah, that's a good idea. Not
2: even to travel to Syria now. <laughs> okay, that so- I can see the headline, Urban Nana Joins ISIS. That'd be good. <laughs> I mean... Oh, it would be good for us, actually.
0: <laughs> some, Peak some interest, but okay. So, fine, okay. So that's, uh, that was plan A. So we had to, we had to uh, sort of back off that. So, okay. but, uh, you know, we both were fascinated in going to Machu Picchu. So we are going, uh, this, uh, in the month of May, we're going to go to Machu Picchu and oh, do that. Fantastic. So, so I'm great. doing a little reading on it, but this book is just, it, it's just fun and fascinating to read. And, you know, just as a little Dolan history. Um, when we we grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut, and uh, our mother, on rainy days, because she had eight children, you know was always looking for some place to like take us or do go places and We used to go to the Peabody Museum at Yale University. Well, don't you know, this is where all the stolen priceless artifacts from Hiram Bigum (laughs) that he got from Peru and from Machu Picchu, this is where they were, you know, and when we were growing up, they were still there, you know, um, in the book he writes about the big discussion legal uh, battle that yale and the country of peru had to reclaim the artifacts that bingham had brought out but um i think all right again just a
2: reminder if you've written a bo- if you've read a book lately a new book you want to see it on our best beach bag books list you can go to leon and Dolan, my author page i'll be taking suggestions and checking thing out checking things out. And we take from all categories, nonfiction, fiction, Julie, this travel book, that sounds like one I'll just put on the list. Cause even though it's been on the bestseller list, it may be a title that you didn't pick up. So good personal connection, something that's worked for you. We would love to hear that. You can go to the Facebook page and let me know about that. All right. It's time now for our weekly recap of, uh, outlander, uh, this week, um, sister sass snatch. We're going to cover, I forgot to write down the title in the episode. Did you happen to do it? <laughs> in Episode eleven.
1: No,
0: but it was like going back to Lallybrook. Okay, I think we'll just—that's what we're going to call this week's episode, Liam.
2: Okay, so in this episode, Julie, uh, there are a couple things that stood out for me. I, I'll go through what happened. But the first thing is that Captain Randall. Every time he is on screen, my skin crawls. So we're going to oh. we're going <laughs> to talk about that. And speaking of skin. There was a skinny dipping scene. That's an all-time great scene. I mean.
0: Can I just say, Leanne, I wish I had an old mill that needed fixing. (laughs) (laughs) In that moment, I was like, why couldn't I have a water wheel at my house? (laughs)
2: Sign up today at butcherbox.com/sisters and use code Sisters to choose your free-for-year offer. Plus, get twenty dollars off your first order. Thanks, Butcherbox. I mean, move over, Colin Firth, and your wet white linen shirt. That's all I'm saying because, whoo, I mean, that certainly perked everybody up in the room, which was me. Yes, uh, and then. And then it also was a reminder that, you know what, families are always families and there are issues and they go back deep and they go back hard. And that what was, mm-hmm. that's what was happening in this week's episode of Outlander. And then my last observation, Julie, would be that I think it looks romantic to ride on a horse for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: after that, travel by horseback looks terrible wouldn't you say <laughs> yeah i mean they got off even by before they got to the uh, to the house you know they're just like why were they walking i it's i think it's it's a long way over the scottish Highlands. <laughs> it so. really
2: is even though that was a beautiful aerial shot so here's what happens jamie now on the verge of getting a pardon from the english duke of sandringham goes home. He's able to take Claire back to Lallybrook, his family home. He hasn't been there in four years, ever since he was flogged and flogged and flogged again by Captain Randall. The last time he saw his sister, she was being led upstairs, presumably to be assaulted by Captain Randall. So Jamie hasn't seen his sister, Jenny, hasn't been back to the family home since all of this happens, And he arrives and there is probably the coldest family welcome I've ever seen because there's a a small boy named Jamie. Jamie Uh assumes it's the product of the sexual assault that was uh, visited on his sister Jamie by Captain Randall. And he is... He is annoyed and he is peeved at his sister, Julie, that she has named the little boy Jamie. Yeah, and that, right off
0: the bat. Yeah. So. Things go
2: very south and she's not having any of it either. That Jenny, she's happy for about 12 seconds to see him. And then she's like putting down Claire. She's telling Jamie that nothing's changed. That was a cold reception,
0: wouldn't you say? <laughs> Yeah, well, the, the the only good part about the reception was were the dogs oh the opening awesome. scene. Yeah. The Great Dane, who I did a little background research, his name is Bran, okay? okay. And that's Fraser's it's a stag hound. It's not a great, great Dane, but a stag hound. And then his little friend, Luke, is the rat terrier. You know, the, so those two dogs feature prominently in this week's episodes. They were, that was a long lingering shot of the dogs yes. as they arrived. Yeah. Didn't you, didn't you notice that? Yeah. But yeah, they got right into it. And it was, I mean, I was chuckling because, you know, I, we have lots of brothers, sisters, brothers and sisters. And we from time to time, we've had arguments and fights. And so they got just right into it. And it wasn't like Jenny was giving any room to her brother, you know, like she was like, oh, you so you think, I, you know, she you know he had come to the wrong conclusion about her but she wasn't she wasn't giving in right she right. was just giving it right back Well the whole episode the common refrain was those frasers
2: they have hard, hard hard heads and soft hearts so that was <laughs> that was, and, and they look good naked. Uh so that would be also true of the Fraser family. Okay, so then we we learn that Jenny knows she's married uh she's she's properly married. The child is not the product of a sexual assault. Her husband is was he a former uh, was he a former like soldier
0: with Jamie? Wasn't yes. that was it? it? Yeah. he fought with Jamie in France yeah, yeah. and lost his leg there. Um and so he has a peg leg. Uh yeah. so he was wa- walking around on that. Yeah.
2: All right, so then then they get into the house. The true story comes out. We get flashbacks of Jamie being flogged, of the sexual assault, of how Jenny humiliated Randall by laughing at him and he wasn't actually able to carry out the sexual assault. And that all plays into it because... Both the brother and the sister have a tremendous amount of guilt of what happened that day. Jamie's carrying yes. around the idea that if he had just accepted uh you know his flogging and a uh, rape by by uh by Randall that perhaps Jenny wouldn't have been raped and Jenny feels like if she hadn't laughed maybe Jamie's fate wouldn't have been so bad. And then we also learn that they both kind of feel like they killed the father who drops dead. <laughs> Just really just drop dead. I mean, I don't mean to laugh, but
0: Aileen, I almost dropped dead when they had the flashback scene with uh, Jenny and Captain Randall because that was an F O W S, (laughs) the full on wiener shot. Okay, (laughs) this show just continues to leave me gobsmacked. I mean, every week I have to brace myself. Like, where is it going to go this week? I just did not see that coming. I mean, maybe because you've read the books. I have not read these books. I had no idea we were going to have an F O W S there. Okay. I mean, that's a good that term. Was something, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, we see time and time again in this
2: book that it's a, like very physical country. You know, that's like the body. There's not a lot of pretense over you know being naked or the body or sex or flogging or, or rape or this is or there's just all part of the makeup of this time in this place. So you're right. That was was full on wiener shot. Good one. Good good one good one. All right. But then here's what happens. Like they're not in the house. Jamie and Claire are in the house two minutes and Jenny and her husband, Ian, they got to move their stuff out of the Laird's room. That never goes over well with the ladies. Does it, Jewel? (laughs) No, it doesn't,
0: Leanne. In fact, in that moment, I was thinking, hmm, I wonder what it would be like if Trem and I just showed up at your house and we moved in with you and Beric. The Laird of Pasadena shows up. (laughs) The Laird of Pasadena. we've got to move out of the big room and you got to move out of the big room and down to the guest room yeah yeah how would that be what do you think i know was just chuckling yeah that was that's that's kind of rough it's pretty um,
2: much rule 101 on how to piss off your sister-in-law i mean really (laughs) you're british you're beautiful and you show up and you take her bedroom that in like five minutes So things are not going well, but then there is a celebration. Every, don't worry. Jamie's identity will be protected. Everyone's happy to see Jamie. You know, Jamie wants to be the Laird his father was. So even though there have been financial troubles, no, don't go. Don't pay me rent. Don't hit your kids. Don't do this. Jamie's trying to be, uh, yes, I'll have a drink with you. Jamie's trying to be the big man on campus and mm-hmm. um, gets very, very drunk. <laughs> and yes, passes out.
0: Yes, he does. That tax day looked pretty fun you did. Book, didn't did it I, I was it just did. thinking that looks so much better than April 15th yeah and maybe we should reconsider serfdom surf, you know that <laughs> pop- maybe that's a better system you know everybody seemed pretty happy there was a lot of food and festivities
2: and libations so People brought Claire jam, which I thought was really nice. Pots of jam and plants. That was very nice. They were far more welcoming. And then, of course, Jamie, in his uh, in his hangover, he kind of gets some business from his sister about how could you do that? They needed to pay the rent. You, you're not, you know, you're not the boss of me. Is basically his sister's attitude. So he stomps off to fix the mill, which isn't working.
0: <laughs> and oh yes, oh yes. Let's spend some time lingering on that broken mill, Leon. Well Julie, something is stuck in that wheel and
2: he's gotta take his clothes off and go swimming and (laughs) unstick it.
0: (laughs) All of his clothes have to come off, Leon. I mean, not just not you know, not just his pants. But he, he had to take his shirt off too. Yes. And the water was cold, was,
2: Liam. Very whoa. cold. Very, very cold, cold water. And then don't you know a British guard shows up. And yes. uh and that's why he has to he goes in with his shirt on but then he has to remove his shirt because he doesn't want the British soldiers to see him underwater. That's what I thought or I don't know. All we know is the shirt comes up on the the will the wheel of the mill. And uh, women all over the world swoon (laughs) because they know what's coming next. (laughs) So the British soldier, he thinks he's fixed the mill and he goes off and Jamie emerges from the water. And
0: uh, it's a lingering shot. It's a, is that the water current is, uh, is it's high, barely high enough land, you know, and it's uh, rippling by, you know, so.
2: Excellent way to put it. Excellent way to put it. But Mm -hmm. in that moment, which is, uh, you know, exciting for many of us, uh, who are sitting at home on the couch it first, it's the big reveal for the sister, just how badly Jamie has been flogged. And then the two of them are able to make up. They confess that they both feel guilty about this, that they should have done this. We, you know, Jamie should have done that. We learn over the course of the episode that Jamie could have, uh, Could have, he thinks, could have gotten away without the second flogging if he had just, quote, given over his body to Captain Jack Randall. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like, cringe every time you see jack randall on screen now you know he's really sorted he's really you know he's really an evil awful man he's sadistic and as claire points out of course he would have flogged you afterwards no matter what you did if you had made that choice to give yourself over to him he was going to flog you anyway she's pretty calm but there's a lot of deep revelations in this episode julie
0: yeah, I thought it was really good. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't sort of the action-packed ones that uh, some of the previous episodes would be, but I really liked the brother-sister relationship. I like how it sort of developed and was revealed and how sort of their own, you know, guilt and uh, uh, about their their actions, how they how they apologized for that and sort of came back together. So I I enjoyed it, Lynn.
2: Yeah, and then in the last scene, we have two masked men appear, you know, two strange men, and they take, you know, they take Jamie hostage, and Claire appears. So that's where we're left. I We don't know what's going to happen next. Uh, but we hope there's more swimming involved. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe.
0: Maybe Jamie will swim to safety from Yes, that could be just or just throw another crank in that old mill. So he has to go back to fix there. <laughs> Leon, I did want to point out at the beginning of the episode, uh they were promoting the outlander sweepstakes. Did you uh did you No, uh, I didn't that? notice that. Yes, <laughs> I was very excited. So Outlander sweepstakes, and so you know I'm in because of course I think I'm going to win. But here's the bad part. You don't get to go to Scotland. They're going to send you to San Diego and you get to go to Comic-Con. Oh! So that doesn't seem right. No. I mean, that's like, that's, we want to go to Scotland. I mean, I don't know who's in charge of sweepstakes for Outlander, but you got it all wrong, okay? We want that. We want to go with the kilts. We want to go to the stream. We want to see the old mill. We want to, you know, we want to go up and press our hands on those stones and do some time travel, (laughs) You don't think that's
2: going to be possible at the San Diego Convention Center? No, because they did set up last year. I was there. They had they had marauding bands of men in kilts there. They did a good job. They had like dozens of guys wandering the streets of Comic Con in their kilts, and they had created a fake um, a fake castle inside at the convention center. But I believe you're right, Julie. It's not quite the same as the real thing. <laughs> so. But you should enter anyway, you know? I feel like you're going to win the HGTV yes, house, and you're going to win this, and you're going to go to Machu Picchu, and that's pretty much a great spring for you. That'd be, that'd be a good spring. Yes, it would. Okay. Um, all right. Uh Anything else going on? Julie, I had continued to watch that show, The Royals. Okay. I'm so ashamed of myself. But I have to tell you, Elizabeth Hurley last week, she is the... It's not even like she's acting. She delivers every line with the same tone and force. So even if she's saying, you know, my son, Robert, the king is dead. Or if last week there was a scene where she was seducing the young bodyguard and she said, have you heard the phrase, have you heard the phrase at her majesty's pleasure? She says it exactly the same way announcing her she's the worst actress I've ever seen and then last week she was joined by Joan Collins so it was like a bad act off between the two of them
0: well I'm sorry I missed that I'm going to have to look up for that well of course we are on baby watch for the real royal yes 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 uh so uh, we're sending good wishes uh to Kensington Palace Yeah. yeah all right we're the satellite sisters you got anything coming up this week Jewel Anything? No, uh, I, well, again, just going up and down the stairs a lot because I'm going to Machu Picchu. <laughs> right. okay. And I think I'm going to get some uh, some high altitude medicine too. Those are my, my two big things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually, tomorrow, am
2: hosting a luncheon uh, at the Huntington for oh. um, the new head of the Huntington Library. So that's a big organization we have here is a woman named Laura Scandera Trombley. She'll be the first woman to take over. And she's currently the president of Pitzer College one of the Claremont colleges. So she's done an absolutely bang up job, uh, 10 years at Pitzer. And now she's going, taking over the Huntington. So I had done, I've interviewed her before and I wrote a cover story for Pasadena Magazine this month about her. And so I'm excited to talk to her tomorrow. It's a women in business luncheon. So we're going to talk about her leadership style and, you know, making the trans. She was a, she was a, she's a Mark Twain scholar. So she has her PhD, but, you know, she decided very early on in her career, she had great mentors that um, encouraged her to reach uh, reach high, and she said they believed in me more than I believed in myself. And so she got into administration and she worked some smaller jobs, and then she took over at Pitzer ten years ago, and has just done an unbelievable job there. And is now ready to take on the Huntington. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, Lena, but, that
0: will be a uh, that will be a good thing. I'm yeah, sure going to do a fine job, and you'll wear bright colors tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, That's I'm wearing Well, here's the thing. They changed the date on me. Like
2: I had this date on my calendar about eight months ago, but they changed the date, but I never changed the date. So Liz was in town. She's like, maybe we should have a business lunch Wednesday and talk about things. I'm like, yeah, I'll come out to your office. And then uh, yesterday I had to email like, oh my, oh my God, I have to host a giant luncheon Wednesday. <laughs> I had totally forgotten. I thought it was
0: Thursday. Phew. Just in the nick of time. I mean, like that You is, saved yourself. I oh know, my but have it. To- It happens to everyone. It
2: it was my worst. It's my worst fear to not show up at these events Mm -hmm. because I get asked to do a lot of events, but the asks come in from all these different sources. And yes, I have a calendar, but still things change and I booked them so far in advance. And uh, so I am glad I'm going to show up tomorrow
0: (laughs) to host that luncheon. Yes, I'm sure they're glad to. That would have been really bad.
2: (gasps) All right, we're the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your satellite sister.